sounds good right now after what we just experienced, doesn't it? <laughs> you got to give that some volume. I need to feel those beats. Like, start to move. Like, don't get too crazy, but like, a little bit. Come on, somebody. How many are glad to be in church today? Woo! There's nowhere else I would honestly rather be than here with all y'all today. All y'all. I am not from the Southeast United States, but I visited, and uh, they're great people down there. Hey, my mama told me last night to preach today like I'd never preached before, and so um, if mama said so, woo! Okay, here we go. I'm so glad to be in church with you this morning. So many people that I've not had a chance yet to meet. And I want, I want you to know that uh, even though you might be new here, we do see this as uh, our extended family resonate. Uh, we hope that you feel really welcomed and at home today. And I want to celebrate what God's been doing so far in the summer. July is a month that we take to serve other people. We did our summer blast. We were serving kids. And then we did our serve day where we were serving our city. And I want to give a shout out today to the teams that have kept on serving. I wanna, I'm going to give a special shout out to John Klein. Where, where's John? There you are, John. I don't know if you, I think you guys were back this week at the townhome where we've been, yeah, where we've been, uh, the, the city actually gave us keys to a townhome and said, hey, if you will repair and restore this place, we can get a refugee family in there. And so our teams have been there. In fact, I was just so pumped to hear last week of after service, a conversation where someone who is brand new to our church uh, got connected with a group of guys, and they extended invitation for him to come and serve with them. And I just love that heart of our church, that we are inviting people. Hey, another one I heard this morning, and uh, we say this all the time around here, that we are a church that, that is together in the party and in the pain, in both. And we want to be, be present to one another in both places. And last night I heard a story of someone who's actually going through a challenging season right now, uh, a little bit of a medical emergency uh, and they've got a couple young kids, so they went to Emerge last night, and two people that serve alongside them on our dream team went over to their house and took care of their two-year-old uh, until 5.30 a.m. this morning. And listen to this, both those people are serving in kids today. Come on, somebody. Now, that's something to celebrate. It may also be concerning if you have kids over there, uh, but... but uh, my four-year-old's there, and she's keeping it in line, trust me. Oh, so good. I want to also let you know where we're going as a church. Uh, we're moving into the month of August, 21 days of prayer. We really believe, well, no, not just believe, we know that the fall, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that this is probably the largest service we've ever had as a church, and it's like the last Sunday in July, and it's like the hottest Sunday of the whole year, and so just great on you for being in church. You're an amazing church. Did you know that? You're an amazing church, and I, I hope that you see that your life is making a difference. The way that you're generous, the way that you serve, the way that your life sets an example for other people. I just love that we get to do this together. And so we're moving into 21 days of prayer because we know that God's got, with our God, the best is always yet to come, right? So the fall is going to be our best season. I thank God for what he's doing in the summer. I thank God that it literally looks like we need to add another service before the end of the summer. I've never heard of a church adding another service in, this, in August, ever. I don't know that that's even possible. It breaks every rule, but 
uh, I, I know that this fall is going to be an incredible season of growth. There's something about the fall, the turning of the calendar, whether it's the start of a new year or the start of a fall, that God is going to, we're going to see people come in here. We're going to see them discover who Jesus is. And so we need to be prayed up and ready for that. And so I'll let you know about 21 days of prayer a little bit more next week. As Pastor Troy said, we're in week number four of Staycation. And we've been doing a little mini-series on living the life of a champion. So week number one, we talked about how God calls out the champion in your life. And we looked at the story of a guy by the name of Gideon. How God, Gideon's hiding out in some fear. God sends an angel to Gideon in the place of his fear and in the place of his hiding and says to him, Hey, mighty man of valor. That's sort of my translation. That's essentially what the angel said. Man of valor is in there. Uh, and so it's Judges chapter 6. Look it up. It's not heresy. Uh, so, hey, mighty man of valor. And we've been pressing into this thought each week of the series that could you lean into the idea that the God of the universe would be looking at you today and saying, you're a champion, Charlie. Come on, you're a champion, Trevor. Come on, right? Could you do it? You're a champion, Lindsay. Champion, Lynn. It, granted, it is a little bit hard, right? When you, I, I've, been, I've been saying this in my own prayer times uh, lately. I've just been saying, Lord, I lean into the idea that you're calling out the champion in me today. And when you say that, honestly, it, it, it's a little bit uncomfortable because we kind of have this idea that God wants to be a far-off deity that doesn't call out the champion of people. And we have this sort of, we want to be humble about it. Understand that us making ourselves small is not making God great. What makes God great is when we see ourselves the way he sees us. That's how we impact and change the world. That was week number one. Week number two, uh, we talked about thinking like a champion. And we said that the nation of Israel stayed on the outside of the promised land because they had a grasshopper mentality. They had grasshopper thinking. God had called them to defeat giants. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. And so we talked about changing our thinking. We actually said this, that God has massive expectations for your life. They're huge. The high standard of God is not a burden to us, though. It's a compliment because it's God saying, hey, if you come alongside me, I'm going to change your thinking and I'm going to elevate you and build you up to another level. And so today I want to go from thinking like a champion to talking about the heart of a champion. Now, I know you might be here and you're not really feeling like a champion today. And I know what that, honestly, I, I, I felt yeah, on Wednesday night I did not feel like a champion. This week, when, Rachel and I, Wednesday night, we were not on the A game. Uh, so we had plans to go out with Jordan and Beck. Jordan and Beck. Becky's laughing in the front row. Beck leads our worship ministry. Uh, does an incredible job. You don't, a lot of you don't even know who she is because they had a baby. And so she's in the like, make sure that Rocco is okay stage of life. She's going to get back on the platform. And can we, like, she's just done such a great job of empowering leaders. How great was worship today? Come on. Just love the leaders God's raising up. But August 12th is on my calendar. Is that the day? Next week. Oh, look out. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Beck's going to be back leading next week. And so we're thankful for what God's. So we want to hang out with these guys. It's, we love hanging out with them. But at the time we were supposed to be at the restaurant, our two kids were scream crying, their faces off at home. And Rachel finally said to me, um, babe, you just, you go hang out with them. And I'm like, I don't want to go be a third wheel on their date. Like, I don't want to relive, <laughs> relive my, uh, my late teen years where that was like every weekend. You know, I'm the third, 
I expected, I expected more love from, from you, church. But, <laughs> but I did. We had a great time on that date. I mean, you guys, your PDA was a little overboard, but like, we had a great time. I, we were not feeling like champions, and, we, and I understand it. Here's the main reason we don't feel like champions. We all, we all know how much that we've messed up in this life. And so we, we honestly all get to a place where, like, God, just use somebody else. And instead of living like a champion, you settle for trying to look like a champion in your photographs. But God has called you to live, not look, like a champion. So today we're going to talk about champ, how, what is the heart of a champion? What's the heart of a champion from the Bible. We're going to look at some different pictures. We're going to jump all over. We're going to hop all over the Bible today and see the heart of a champion. And the first place I want to go is I want to look at the life of a man named David, who the Bible does not hold out as a perfect person, but certainly as a champion in so many ways. The first thing I want us to go see is that the heart of a champion is open. The heart of a champion is open. Champions do not look at people or the world through a closed lens or a narrow view. The heart of a champion is very open. Let's look at what, what the Bible says about David's heart. It said, David departed from there and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And I, I love this. This, this verse is, is amazing. It says, everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to David, and he became commander over them. There was about 400 men. Imagine if it was said of you that everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was like really bitter in their soul gathered to you. Imagine if it was said of us Resonate Church. Someone came in here and they're like, you know what? Everybody in the city that's in distress, everybody in the city that's in debt, everybody in the city that's bitter in soul is there because they've got such an immense capacity to love people. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Pastor, my love capacity is to the max. Like, I'm already loving as much as my heart feels like it can love. I'm just actually trying to love my family and make it through another day because there's just so many expectations and responsibilities in my life. My love capacity is at its max. Our two-year-old, Alencia, she's a good picture of the love capacity kind of feeling like it's at the maximum place. If it's just me and Rachel's not around... She will love on me like, Daddy, I love you. She will kiss me. She will stick out her tongue and lick my face. She will love on Daddy when Mommy's not around. <laughs> but when, when, when Rachel's around. The other morning, uh, Rachel went to get Lindsay when she woke up. She's coming down the stairs at our house. Lindsay's not looking at me. She's kind of turning away. Or she's looking the other direction. She's coming down the stairs, and I'm like, I'm so pumped to see her. Lindsay, baby girl, I love you. Daddy loves you. You're such a champion. I love you. From 30 feet away, she didn't even look. She starts going like this. Like, <laughs> I know you're 30 feet away, but could you give me and mommy some more space, please? <laughs> if I get too close and she's with mommy, she will say, Daddy, go away. <laughs> True story. 
So that morning after she'd been swatting at me from 30 feet, Rachel went to work and she was talking to some of her coworkers about this because uh, she, she's a counselor and so she works with some people who work with childhood, you know, developmental psychology and she was asking them about this and they said, oh, you know what? Good news, that's totally developmentally appropriate. At two years old, it feels like to a child, they've only got so much capacity really to just love one at a time. And you might have seen that with your kids, right? And that might just, you might just be like, phew, it makes sense now, we're okay. I am a good dad, it's, um, I'm a good mom, we're fine. But they said, you know, when she gets to about four years old, she's going to realize that she's got more capacity than she thought she had she, as she matures into it. Now, isn't that a great picture of our hearts? What looks like the capacity of your heart to love other people is actually just a short-term limitation. And as you mature in God's love, as God grows you, as God pours his love into your heart, you find that the capacity of your heart that you thought was maybe just one person at a time or one small group of people at a time, it actually enlarges. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans 5, verse 5. It says, God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I love the message translation. It says it this way. You couldn't even round up enough containers to hold everything God wants to pour into your life through the Holy Spirit. You see, we don't, we don't enlarge our love capacity by saying, I'm just going to try a little harder, strain a little harder. That, just, that doesn't really feel good. And we're actually is a recipe for burnout. No, the way we enlarge the capacity of our hearts is to get into the presence of God. Come on, to get around the Holy Spirit of God, to say, God, I'm going to receive more of your love today. And it begins to open and enlarge our hearts and increase our capacity. If you had told me five years ago that I was going to be pastoring a church that people came to in distress, that people came to in debt, that people came to bitter, I would have been like, is there like a slightly less problematic house that I could lead? But I, I got to tell you, I'm not all the way on the journey to where God's called me to be, but I've never felt more like I could lead a house where broken people show up and get led to an almighty God that can get them out of their pain and out of their problem. Come on, God increases our capacity as we mature and we receive more of the Holy Spirit. I heard this great story. Uh, there's a guy, he's new to our church, and he was, he's telling me over the past little bit, when I'll see him on Sundays, just how God's brought him out of crime and drugs and a past and bitterness and hurt. He was telling me that for a long time, his neighbor was inviting him to church and saying, hey, you got to come check out Resonate Church. It's great. You got to come with me. You got to come with me. Finally, he came to church, and God's been doing something great in his life on Sundays. But you know what was really great? Was when, was when he told me, the person that invited me to church hangs out with me once a week at 6 a.m. for coffee. Why would this neighbor, who is a dad, who has a career, get together once a week at 6 a.m. with someone who's coming out of a life of crime and a life of drugs and a life of hurt? Why? Because the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You can't even contain with all the buckets you could grab what God desires to pour into your heart by the Holy Spirit. Come on, champions live with large, open hearts. God's called you, champion, to live with an open heart. God has called you to have an enlarged capacity 
to reach out to the people around us in love. Everyone in distress. Everyone in debt. Everyone who's broken. And I look around at you, church, and I say, you're ready for this. You are ready for that crowd. You are ready for those people. And in fact, I look around at those of you who tell me the stories of coming out of crime and coming out of brokenness. You need to know that you're not a feel-good project to the people of this house. No, you're a champion. In fact, you are the reason that we are going to impact this city. Because you know why David's army was so great? An army of misfits becomes a great army when someone believes in them. You're not a feel-good project. You're a champion. You will be the reason this church impacts this city. Not because someone's just dumping into your life because God is going to raise you up to build other people up. Open hearts of a champion. Open hearts of a champion. The the second thing that we see in the heart of a champion throughout the Bible, and this one will not really make much sense if in light of number one, at least at first, this seems to come out of nowhere. But the second thing we see in the hearts of champions in the Bible is that champions set a guard on their heart. Listen to what the writer of Proverbs says. He says, above all else. Like, there's a lot of important things in your life. This should be the top. Guard your heart. Why? Because it's the wellspring of your life. Champions guard their heart. The writer of this text is, if you're new to the Bible, he's a guy named Solomon. Solomon was rich and he was wise. The Bible says the wisest person who ever lived and and dude was flat out rich. The Bible says in one year he had tribute brought to him of 666 talents of gold. In today's dollars, and I'm not a math genius, but I'm pretty good at basic multiplication. A talent, 666 talents becomes 40,000 pounds at $1,225 an ounce. That works out to $784 billion in one year that Solomon had brought to him. So dude had everything. He was like the Amazon.com of his day. He was kind of like Jeff Bezos. He was like, if Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and a bunch of other people got together, they, they couldn't even buy Solomon lunch. Solomon had everything. And what's this dude, he's like, you know what? You know what you need to guard? Not your wealth, not your stuff, not your kingdom. You know what you need to guard? You need to guard your heart. It's number one. Guard your heart. You see, the problem, though, for us is that a lot of us want to guard our hearts with walls. When we think guard our heart, we want to put a wall up. But there's a difference between walls and guards. A wall will keep everything out of your life. A guard is instructed to just keep out the stuff that could hurt you. If you want to grow in influence, there's going to be so much more stuff thrown at your life. There's going to be so many more people, so many more issues, so many more opportunities for hurt. No, if we're going to have great influence, we're going to have a lot more stuff thrown at our heart. So the Bible says, doesn't narrow down what's coming at your heart. In fact, take a lot more on. Just understand, you set a guard on your heart. Well, how, like, how do I do that? We could, we could do a series on setting a guard on our hearts. How do we do it? I just want to talk about the relational side this morning. How do I set a guard on my heart relationally so that I'm not abused, taken advantage of, manipulated? How do I set that guard on on my heart. There's a great uh, passage of text in the Bible in Acts chapter 15 that gives us a picture. I'm thankful the Bible doesn't clean up all the messiness of relationships that goes on, you know. There's, there's, this, there's these three guys. There's Paul, and there's Barnabas, and there's Mark. Paul, Barnabas, and Mark. Now, Paul and Barney want to go do some ministry together, but Barney wants to take Mark. Paul doesn't want to take Mark. 
In fact, Paul's been let down by Mark, and he says this in Acts chapter 15. It says, Paul thought best not to take with them the one, Mark, who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. In other words, I've been let down by Mark in the past. And so it's just not really the best thing for me right now to take Mark with me on this ministry journey. And what we see and understand for this, again, I'm so thankful the Bible doesn't polish this up and say, like, as Christians, we never have problems in our relationships. All these guys are pretty dynamic in ministry, right? Paul writes the majority of the New Testament, once you count out the Gospels. But anyways, uh, he writes the majority of the New Testament. Mark writes the Gospel of Mark. Barnabas is held up as this great. These are all heavy hitters in the kingdom of God. None of these guys are like slouches, right? They all do great things for God. But they have relationship issues. Doesn't matter how great we get, how pure our hearts get. Come on, you're still going to run into some people, even in church, that you have a hard time with sometimes. And so we don't say relationally, ah, that church hurt me. I'm never going to go to church again. No, understand, the Bible doesn't edit out the details. There are relationship challenges that happen. No, the Bible tells us how we get through them. We actually set a guard on your heart. And setting a guard on your heart might mean that you need some short-term boundaries in your life. So... (laughs) So if you're living at home and your parents are abusive, then it's probably a good idea if you're of age, you know, move out of that house and set a short-term boundary. Don't cut them off. Don't say, I'm never going to talk to you again. No, I've got a short-term boundary because God needs to heal some things. I need to get into a place of safety. Listen, if someone's talking about you behind your back, it is okay to say, I, you know, I'm not going to hang out with as you as much as I used to because I just need to set a short-term boundary up around my heart. The issue is that we have this tendency to make short-term boundaries into long-term walls. Watch what happens in the future. uh, In the future. In the future. That's kind of funny in my own mind in the future, but really just in that future a little bit. Paul and Mark are not around anymore. I think you get that. (laughs) Second Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, hey Timothy, Bring Mark with you. He's going to be my right-hand man. Paul did not allow a short-term boundary to become a long-term wall. The scandal of the Bible is that God loves really messed up people and sent his son to die for them. Even that person that wronged you. And so, and so Christian... If they give their life to Jesus, or they're doing their best to wholly surrender their life to Jesus Christ, you're going to be with them in heaven. And I don't want to get to heaven and say to God, I'm so glad to be here. This is amazing. Hey, God, by the way, uh, can you make sure I don't live too close to Fred? Him and I don't really get along. (laughs) The best time to deal with it is now. Don't allow your short-term boundary to become a long-term wall. You got hurt by church... Don't say, I'm never going to go to church again. You got hurt by people. Don't say, I'm never going to deal with, I need a short-term boundary. I'm going to guard my heart. Why does God say to guard your heart? Why does Solomon say this is so important? He says, because from it is the wellspring of life. It should be the spring of your life. You need a guard because stuff has to come out of your heart and begin to impact the world around you. God wants a spring of life to be life-giving to the people around you. That's why walls are not intended for your heart. A guard is intended for your heart. Set a guard on your heart. Don't build walls around your heart. Life of a champion. Champion. Champion's heart is open. 
And a champion sets a guard on their heart. And then there's this third, this third thing we see in the hearts of champions in the Bible. And honestly, right now, this one is the one I'm most passionate about in my own life. And probably also in the life of our church. 2 Timothy 2, verse 20. It says, Now in a great house, they're not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. Third thing we see in the hearts of champions is that champions have pure hearts. Champions roll with pure hearts. Watch this in verse 21. It says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself. And I, I think that is such an interesting phrase in the context of a book that's all about God cleansing you. Paul says to Timothy, hey man, sometimes you just got to cleanse yourself. Sometimes there's some areas, you, you got to deal with that area. Yeah, God will, God will be the one to cleanse you, but you got to be the one that decides it, so that needs cleaning. Cleanse yourself. From what is dishonorable, he'll be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy. Look at this word, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a, come on, say this with me, pure heart. So Paul says to Timothy, come on, champion. You want to do great things that God has for you to do? Live a holy and pure life. Now it's so crucial that we make sure we understand that when we're talking about having a pure heart and living a righteous and holy life, that this is not a heaven and hell issue. Heaven and hell is established by one thing and one thing only. What you believe about what Jesus did for you. There's only one way to receive the forgiveness of sins. And it is not your good conduct. It's not what you've done nor what you will do. It is by faith in the finished work of a Savior who spread wide his arms. He took the wrath of God, meted out in his body so that we could receive the favor of God. There's only one way to the forgiveness of sins. And it is trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone. Church is not morality preaching. You are not here for me to say, get yourself better so that God can love you. You are here today so that you can hear me say, get your life pure so that God can use you. Yeah. It's not a heaven and hell issue. It's not a salvation issue. It's a usefulness issue. Paul says, Timothy, hey man, there's, there's some vessels if you want to do great things in the kingdom of God, come on, if we're going to live a champion life, if we're going to hit the fall and we're going to see God do things we've never seen him do before, you're going to have to decide what kind of vessel do I want to be. Because in, in the, in the there's, there's vessels in the cupboard that are clean and ready to go. There's vessels in the sink that are dirty. Just ask yourself, which one would you use? Which one would God use? So I think the question that we ask ourselves is, well, then what decisions? I want to live a champion's life. I, want to, I was born for this. God has a call on my life to glorify Jesus. So the question we need to ask ourselves then becomes this. What decisions do you need to make in order to keep yourself pure? What decisions do you need to make in your life today so that you can keep 
your heart pure. Come on, you don't need me to tell you what those decisions are. You got the word of God and you got the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't need me to tell you today. You just need to open up your heart and say, God, my heart is open. You can put your finger on the thing that you want me to change today. You can put your finger on the issue or that area that you want to purify. I understand. Listen, what's so great about our God? He doesn't want to put a finger on an issue of dirtiness and lack of purity in your life because he wants to shame you. No, because he's called you to be a champion and he wants to use your life and he wants to elevate you and lift you back up to the creative purpose he put on your life. That's the God that we serve. The heart of champions, come on, it's open. Church, we have open doors and open hearts. I thank God for what he's already done in this place. But come on, we got room for more. Not because we try harder, but because the Holy Spirit is in this place. And when we get around Jesus, he just opens our hearts, enlarges our capacity. Come on, the heart of a champion, the heart of a champion has a guard set on it. Come on, we're, we're, we're not going to allow in bitterness. We're not gonna, no, we're going to have a guard set on our hearts, but we're not going to let that become long-term walls. And then finally, we're going to live with pure hearts. And I'm going to invite you to stand all over the room because in a moment, we're going to go back into a worship course together. And I love this song. It's a great song because it sings about a great God who's got the power to, to break off the power of sin and darkness over your life. No, God is able to lead you out of this place differently than when you came in here today. And so God, I pray, Lord, over this house right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that we had time of worship before, but now lift the name of Jesus in this place. God, I lift Jesus' name over sickness and disease. I lift Jesus' name over sin and over shame and over darkness. I break off the power of darkness in Jesus' name off of us that we would see you move in this place. Holy Spirit, come. Pour the love of God into our hearts deeper. Holy Spirit, magnify Jesus and as we see Jesus would you just be pouring the love of God into our hearts today in Jesus name I'm gonna invite you church lift up holy hands in this place and let's sing this song out to our God with all that we have Lord we love you we bless you and we praise your name
to make a decision to surrender your life to Jesus. We said it earlier. There's only one way to deal with the sin issue in our lives. And, and we all know that there's a sin issue in our lives, though we don't want to admit it because we felt the brokenness of sin. We felt the pain of it. So knowing that's there, knowing that the offer of God is to remove that and take away shame and to take away guilt, most importantly, to forgive you and give you a clean heart. Life abundant, but more importantly, life eternal in Jesus Christ. If today you'd say, you know what, Pastor? Today I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. Give my whole heart and my full surrender. I believe in what Jesus did for me today. I'm going to make a decision to offer my life to God and receive his forgiveness. Really become a Christian today. That's what we're talking about. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to shoot up your hand. And, and raising your hand, I'm going to count to three, and raising your hand when I get to three, that's not, that's not what's going to save you. It's your heart of faith. It's what's going on in your heart. It's a heart of faith. And then after that, I'm simply going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for the front. We're all going to pray together as a church. Again, it's what's going on in your heart that is that transformation process. We won't send you out or embarrass you. We're simply all going to pray together a prayer. But today you'd be saying, yeah, I'm praying that prayer in my heart today. Today I'm giving my life to Jesus. Either for the very first time or today you need to recommit your life to Jesus. Not because you had a bit of a rough week. I mean, you know that you've walked away from God. Today you're coming back. If that's you in the place today, you'd say, yeah, I'm giving my life to follow Jesus. Would you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Would you shoot your hand up? Just hold it up long enough for me to see it. It's just between you and God. Yeah. Anyone want anyone else today? You'd say, yeah. I don't want to miss out. This is my day. This is my moment. So great. Yeah. Several hands in the room today. Now, whether you raised your hand or maybe you, you didn't, you wanted to, come on, let's pray this prayer of faith together. Saving, believing faith. Come on, church, let's help all those that are praying this prayer today. Let's pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. All of it, I surrender to you, choose to follow you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for dying on the cross, raising again so I could be forgiven. Help me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Like you've never done it before, let's celebrate those that made that decision today. Sounds good right now after what we just experienced, doesn't it? <laughs>